Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. My guest today is many, many things. She wears many hats, and she's here today to share her passion for realizing what your purpose is in life. Edna White is an author, teacher, and consultant. Edna calls herself a serialpreneur, a free spirit, and a motivator. She's here today to share some of her energy for life with us. I'm glad to have her with me on the show, and it's a pleasure that I welcome Edna to Don't Box Me In. Edna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Always my pleasure to have people. I like uh, to hear everybody's stories, uh, and I'm glad to hear, I'll be uh, more than glad to hear what you got for me today. Okay. Um, and like I said in the intro there, you are a lady. I was reading over all your stuff, and you, you got a lot of stuff going on here, and I'm hoping that I get a chance to get through all of it today. Um, okay. One, one of the things that you're involved with is, uh, you know, helping people survive after sexual trauma. Um, can you share with us how it is that you came to be involved with that line of work? Sure. Um, well, it took me a long time. Um, basically, I'm a survivor of childhood um, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been, um, you know, through the counseling stages. And I was, you know, I, 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 it, was, it began when I was 6 to 15. Wow. So I've um, experienced it for a long time, and um, not until just recently, mm-hmm. in my older years, were, was I able to hone in to the fact that that was my purpose to actually offer what I've gone through and what I've experienced and my mending and my healing time to other people. Yeah, okay. And, you know, you also say on your website that the effects of sexual abuse, um, even though it occurs in a, a person's childhood, it does manifest itself way into a person's, you know, adulthood. What ways, what ways did you find yourself kind of still struggling with it long after the fact? Um, I can tell you something just basically just really new. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I've been manifesting a lot of things, I've been traveling a lot, a lot of things that I wanted to do in life, a lot of things I wanted to obtain, I've done. But I've always had an issue with financial. Always, mm-hmm. always not, not that I didn't have it. It's just I never had it in my hands, okay. and I always, I often, you know, wondered why is this like that, you know, and why do I always have to ask, and it comes, but it should be more fluid. Gotcha. You know, so one day, I, it was actually it was two Sundays ago, and I was sitting and I was meditating after I had um, completed my yoga session, I was sitting meditating. And I just asked myself that question, why is it that I struggle with finances? Mm-hmm. And it came to me so very clearly that in my childhood, I saw that when my stepdad gave my mom money, she mismanaged it. Mm-hmm. And in my younger time, I said I would never do that. Mm-hmm. So we lived in a beautiful home, sometimes without heat sometimes without hot water, sometimes without water, all because my mom mismanaged money. And I said I never would do that ever. And that is why money never, I don't even like at that, at that point, I didn't even like holding on to money. Mm. 
And due to the fact that I was, um, my abuser always gave me money as a, as to like hush money. Gotcha. I would okay. wash the money and put it under my mattress. I never held on to it, never touched it, never anything. And I was like, I, I, it just came to me that clearly that the reason why I don't even like the feel of money is because of the sexual trauma. Mm, Something mm. that I promised myself way back when I was six. It still affects me now, and I'm 50. Wow, wow. So because, um, you know, like you said, your abuser used that as a, you know, keep quiet. This is your uh, payoff, your hush off for letting me do this to you. You know, even in your adulthood, you equate that as, you know, I have to get rid of this. This is tied to that feeling, that sensation. I don't want it. Um, And I don't think people really realize that, um, you know, there are a, a large amount of residual effects that the abuser does feel later on in life. Um, you know, a lot of people like say, oh, you know, that was years ago. You just get over it. But it's not that easy. And there's so many issues that, you know, people have to put in perspective and, and deal with and cope so they can kind of, you know, maintain some sort of emotionally healthy lifestyle. So, you know, and like you said, this is just two weeks ago that you're realizing, oh, yeah. you know, this is this area of my life that I'm still touched with something that happened years and years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And, you know, I'm hearing I'm hearing a New Yorker kind of accent, but that's not originally where you're from, right? No, I'm from Alabama, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I've gotten some of that New Yorker in me. <laughs> okay. How long you been up there? I've been here for a while. I've been, I've raised my children. My son, is, my oldest son is 33. So oh, okay. I've been here a while. Mm-hmm. I've been here may, a while. I, may I ask, how'd you end up from Alabama to New York? Well, my parents bought me, you know, and I had to come with them. Oh, okay, okay. So you've yeah. been up there since a childhood then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So um, you you have a lot of books out, and one of the ones that you do have out, it kind of touches on the uh, the issue that we were talking about earlier, and the title of this book is Remnants of a Dark Secret. And I was reading some of it, and there's this one little excerpt, and you talk about an 18-year-old girl with her one-and-a-half-year-old one son on her hip standing on the railroad tracks and it's it's such a visual powerful moment to kind of think about it i'm curious what was it that brought you to that point well um i can remember i often when i'm counseling other people that's one of the my famous or you know one of my poignant points i go to because that was an ultimate part of my despair i was at 18 i was in such despair, I had uh, just um, lost my brother, who was my protector, mm-hmm. and I was going through that at the same time, and I, I was still um, living, because I was 18, and I was living with my abuser, mm-hmm. because, you know, my parent felt that that should be hushed, and it's done with, and it's over with, but really it wasn't, mm-hmm. it had continued. So I, I think the living with that made it even more uh, hurtful and harmful and painful. But at that point in my in my life, I was it was I couldn't I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I had no I, my hands were up at that point. They were just totally up. I you know I had um, had a child early when, when I wasn't supposed to, but I was still going to school. I was basically doing everything that I was supposed to do. But there were so many mess ups, and that was my pinnacle. I was like, <laughs> I was like, it was it for me. I was like, I was up there. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I really, really don't know what to do. And I can remember um, I was coming home from my friend's house, 
because I spent the night there, and me and my son were coming home, and it all just fell down on me like rain. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a cloud was over me and rain, and I just, I, I couldn't even bear it. I was slumped over. I could just remember myself holding my son, slumped over, and I walked past my house. I, you know, I couldn't even go in. And I just walked past, and I just kept walking. And at the end, you know, at the end of my walking, there is a train track. Mm-hmm. And um, I just sat there. I said, I, I don't know what else to do. Hmm. And I was at that, that such, such a point because I was willing to take my, my child with me. Mm-hmm. I was willing to take him with me. But as I sat there and I, I literally cried for hours and like it was just terrible. But he was sitting on me just playing like there was nothing going on. <laughs> and I, I was in the middle of the track. I could just remember just sitting there. I'm, I'm waiting for the train, waiting for it. I'm, I, I have my legs in Indian style. He's in the middle of my lap. I'm waiting for the train. And the train never came. Awesome. Awesome. Something, is, something, was, something was better for you. Something, something that was, better. That was something better. I mean, God really wanted me to get it together. Even though it was going to take a while to get mm-hmm. it together, he wanted me to get it together. And I just got up. I said, well... You know, myself said, well, I can't even kill myself right <laughs> Say, I can't even do this. <laughs> I can't even do that right. And I remember getting up, and I think um, the next day I was taking my son to go see Spider-Man, and I was still in that same state mm-hmm. and um, crying and crying, and I was on the bus, and tears were just coming down my eyes, and he was still sitting next to me. And I remember this lady just came up and touched my shoulder, and I remember feeling the virtue just going out of me and I have I looked up at her and she was a white woman and she said you may need this mm-hmm. and she just dropped the card in my lap I never looked at her or anything my son was playing with it never looked at it anything I just got up and I got off the bus to where I was supposed to go and later on my son's playing was still playing with the card so I grabbed it from him and as I look at it it's a psychologist mm. that was just too amazing. I'm telling you, God, mm-hmm. <laughs> I say this, God just like orchestrated the whole thing. And from then I started going to see, you know, see her. And she actually had happened to be, um, someone who was, um, worked with, a, with abused women. And from there on, I went to other various counselors and who specialized in certain areas. But that was like one of my most awakening points. God really just work things out for me as far as the psychological part of it because I wasn't I wasn't going anywhere mm-hmm. I wasn't I was stuck okay well let, let me speak for the rest of uh, everybody we're so very glad the train did not come <laughs> on that day <laughs> let me, and you know you you I'm curious you mentioned in your story I just want to make sure I'm clear yeah. on the factor the facts here you were still living at home with the abuser uh, and you said your brother had passed away I'm thinking at that particular time so was your mother there was she aware of what was going on and not addressing the issue or something okay when I first addressed <laughs> when I was six and I, I I had told her about it she kind of like separated us and kind of said you know back in those days you know you I can handle this you stay over there I you go stay over there so she kind of placed me with my my aunt for a while Mm-hmm. So I got older, and I remember coming back when I was 12, but my stepfather was still there. Oh, okay. And I was away from my brothers and sisters, and I had, I'm had i the oldest of, five, of six. Okay. At the time, six. 
and um, my brother was the, our only brother, and I'm, you know, I have uh, four other sisters. Mm-hmm. So when I was moved out for those three years, um, I lived with my aunt, and um, I came back, and so that, you know, they figured that that was enough time, that everything would be fine, but it wasn't. It, was, it, it, it continued, okay. and it started to, I started to see, because I was, you know, I was 12. Yes. See the little resemblance of what he would do to me to the other girl. Okay. So I had to stay. Okay. I okay. stayed because I didn't want that to happen to them. And I had a handicapped sister that didn't know any, you know, didn't know, you know, yeah. what was going on. So, but the other sisters, you know, I had, I felt I had to protect them. I had to take care of them. And I, and I stayed, um, and I stayed even longer than I should have because of them. Understood. Because I wanted to take care of them. Understood. So when you were, um, 18 and you ran into the, uh, therapist, did you stay in the house much longer after that? No, I, I, right after that, um, I ended up getting, um, on a, you know, section eight and gotcha. I got on the list and I moved out. I moved out and I went on my own. After that, there, there was a couple of other things that happened that my other sister, um, actually left home because he tried to attack her. And so my other, my, the main sister that I was worried about, which is, um, Edda, she was younger than me. She was handicapped and mm-hmm. um, she went to move. She moved away into, um, one of the, um, residential homes. So that made me okay to leave. Yeah. Okay. You know, everyone wasn't in, inside. He didn't, he didn't abuse his daughters. His daughters, oh. he had two daughters. He didn't abuse them. He just abused the stepdaughters. Stepdaughters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Powerful story. Powerful story. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with the serialpreneur, the free spirit, the motivator, Miss Edna White. And uh, before the break, we were talking about her childhood and her uh, experiences uh, with her own sexual abuse by her stepfather. Um, and before the break, we had talked about that time where you, you were considering ending it all. And thanks to God's graces, the train didn't come and you're here to share your story with us today and, and empower other people in their lives. Um, before we move on to the next thing, I want to ask you, living through everything that you've lived through, um, and especially today's world, we have this major issue of blending families. It seems like everybody's trying to combine you know, mine with yours. What advice would you give to, um, you know, maybe a mother whose child comes to them and says, you know, the man that you love, the man that you care about, the man that you brought into our home is doing these things to me? How would you advise a mother to to handle those kinds of situations based on what you've experienced? Uh, basically, just listen and, and take and take action. Mm-hmm. Um, totally remove you and the child because that they're not that way just today or uh-huh. just today with that per with that child they've been that way and there's other occurrences just not have been verbalized by by a child except yours uh-huh. it, it's happening all the time 
because when I found out about, you know, when I found out about his story, because I never knew my stepdad's story, he had 13 children. Oh, wow. And on his, on his side, and my two sisters were uh, numbers 15, yes, uh, 13, 14, and 15. Mm-hmm. And he, his wife that he had uh, actually divorced him because he was abusing his children. Mm. So, it has, it, so the family knew of it. Even my uncles that we talked to, and they knew of it. They knew what was happening. And they had no love for him. That's why there was no, no one ever around. So it just, the, the mother should listen to the child because that's not the only occurrence. Mm-hmm. That's not the first time. It's happened before. Okay. I'm not sure if your mother's still with us today, but if yes, so, she how she is. What is her stance on the whole matter t- today, now? Right now, she's still um, in denial and mm-hmm. um, trying to blend it all together still to make him a great memory and, and, and things like that. So how I deal with my mother is that's not a subject I get on to. I gotcha. expressed how I felt and what is done to me, to her and to him. Mm-hmm. And um, before he passed away, he, he asked me to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And I truly didn't. I just said, yeah, 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 but I didn't. So I had to learn how to forgive. You know, I just did. It was like a favor just to, like, stop talking about it. But, well, that's another subject altogether. <laughs> 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 but my mom, I just, I deal with her on the, the premise of honor your mother and your father. Yeah. And I deal with that on the premise that she cannot give me something that she does not have. Mm-hmm. So I accept and I don't expect anything. Gotcha, gotcha. That's I think how I, that's how I deal with her. I think I just read uh, somewhere on my Facebook feed uh, some quote by, I think it's Michael X that says, you know, I forgive, but I don't forget facts. And I think, you know, that's the balance that we have to come in. You know, I know I have to move on. I know I have to get a better place for my happiness. But still, this is the fact of the matter. This is the reality of the matter. And it will alter how I do interact with certain people in certain yeah. situations. So, yeah, it's truly understandable. You know, um, continuing on with, you know, your healing that you're doing and, and helping other people in regards to sexual abuse, you've got a new book coming out called The Layers of Me. Yes. And from what I'm understanding, you're supposed to be trying to travel to Indonesia for yes. this book. What, what is the what is the conjunction? You know, layers of me in Indonesia. How does that all play in together? Well, I I, I didn't even plan Indonesia in it. <laughs> <laughs> Indonesia was an accident. <laughs> my my best friend's daughter um, knows I like to travel, so she sent over to me by Facebook. She said, um, you know, Mastin Kip is having this workshop. I think you should enter. I was like, ah. Uh, so she said, no, just enter. Just try it. I said, okay. So I never thought that I would be one of the 13 mm-hmm. that he chose. So I was like, okay. And and it's truly an honor because I don't know if you know that, that I, I, I might be getting the title wrong, but Eat, Love, and Pray, or Pray, mm-hmm. Love, and Eat. Uh-huh, that that one. Uh, book, I love that book to death. That is where I always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So I never thought about it until she said this to me. But the layers of me is, is going to be is basically I'm going to be taking parts of me and explaining how sexual abuse, sexual trauma affects each part of you. 
mm-hmm. and how you react and how you respond to anything that on the outside. Okay. Okay. So what's going to be happening when you go to Indonesia as far as writing this book? Basically, um, a, a lot of workshop. They're going to help me put it out in 28 days. And 20, I'm believing that. <laughs> 28 days. Okay. 28 days. Intense, um, intense work with one-on-one with uh, uh, best-selling writers, one-on-one. And then um, we have a group session for 28 days, uh, five days a week. So if that doesn't help me put out, put it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting a bestseller. That's what I'm expecting. I really, really am. I'm expecting a bestseller. That sounds really cool. So it's you and, and 12 other authors, and you'll be you know, locked up in a space and, and somebody kind of pushing you along, helping you get your books together. Yes, meditation, uh, yoga, prayers, um, quiet, uh, total concentration, um, just intense trying to form the book from inside, from the inside out. Gotcha, gotcha. And and people can um, help you get to Indonesia, if I do understand correctly. There's a, you have a, a GoFundMe? Yes, I do. Can you, because um, I didn't I didn't write it down, can you give me the, the website or the link? Do you have it? It's GoFundMe.com, Miss Edna. Okay. Okay. And when is this trip supposed to be? Fall of next year. Okay. All right. So we got to get it all together before fall, because we want yes. this 28 days of... Of self improvement and, and bestsellers coming out. Okay. Bestsellers pouring out. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. Uh, so traveling, you know, uh, seems to be your thing and it's kind of part of your writing career because I read that your first book came to be from a result of a trip to China. Um, yes. How did it end up, you end up teaching English in China? Girl, I, I, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> For 13 years, I've been a realtor. That was that was my profession. I raised my children on the income of a realtor, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And at that that point in my life, my son was 22. His mm-hmm. first 22nd birthday came, and I said, "Well, he's all grown up, you know. He's, he's got his own apartment. He's mm-hmm. my baby, so he's mm-hmm. he's out of here." So I said, "Okay, what am I going to do now, God? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want me to do?" So once again. My best friend's daughter had just went to China two years prior just because she's an um, English teacher and okay. she needed the experience. Uh, so she went for one month. So she says, why don't you try to put your resume on on this this site, this site for ESL teachers and mm-hmm. see if someone picks you up. I said, okay. I did that. Um, I think I had uh, 27 offers. I had to skim them down. And I finally took uh, this, this place in Janan because it was so uh, traditional. It was it was had culture, and it wasn't mm-hmm. kind of streamlined, you know, like you know some of the just, um, like Shanghai or Beijing. Mm-hmm. So I went there for one year. One year, I went by myself. I got on the plane. My, nobody thought I was going. Like I had packed mm. my bags, and my whole family standing there, like, "Yeah, they should not going." <laughs> <laughs> Now, I mean, literally, if you could have saw this, you'd be like, what kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dragging a bag out. My daughter comes to get me. She's the only one that believes me because she knows I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. So my mm-hmm. son's still walking around like, Ma, you're going to cook, make some chicken? You know, that kind of no thing. No way. Yeah, so, like, not, nothing's going on. My sister's here. So all of a sudden, my daughter pulls up. I'm pulling the bags out. 
my neighbor sees, you're really leaving? So everyone's <laughs> in the front yard. The neighbors come over. My kids are there. Everybody starts bawling. I'm like, it's kind of late for you guys to cry today. I got to get to the airport. <laughs> I've been telling you guys this for how long now? Yes. I have been telling them since, I think it was since November I was accepted and I got all the, you know, my visa Mm -hmm. and everything. And I told them, I said, I'm leaving in February. No, you're not. You know, you know, they didn't put it. I didn't say anything. I just, okay, all right. Packed Mm -hmm. everything up. And so when I got there, I really, you know, it took two days. Okay. Mm And because I lost a day in there, there's a day that, that goes away. Yeah, <laughs> it disappears, and it's lost. So um, I get there, and of course, you know, I slept the whole day. Didn't realize that I slept the whole day because I was that tired. Mm-hmm. But I, as I woke up, um, I remember looking out the window, and I was like, "Man, I'm here, mm-hmm. all by myself." Mm-hmm. And the more that I I thought about it, I was like, "All by myself." You know, all by, it just started thinking on in all by myself. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I thought this through. Wait a minute now. <laughs> like, and, it, and I kept saying it all by myself. And then it, before it came, became an exclamation, then it became a statement, then mm-hmm. it became a question. You're like, all by myself. <laughs> and I looked out the window, and this is how awesome God is. It was, it was springtime. It was the, the beginning of the spring. And in the spring, they have this particular tree that grows, and it's like a fruit tree. But mm-hmm. it, it gives off this um, this kind of fur, like a, a cotton. Mm-hmm. So when it's, when it's um, shedding for springtime, it gives off this cotton. So this, this stuff flew in the air and went across. And God just said to me, you're flying now. And when he said that, I, it, everything just dried up. I said, you got this, God. And I said, you got it. And I had the most amazing time. Um, the, the school that I worked for was truly a blessing in my life because um, they don't too much like to have black teachers. Mm-hmm. And and they they say black, not meaning American black, but African black. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, they even know the distinction, but because of God have and, and, and I think his divine you know, guidance for me. He knew mm-hmm. exactly where I needed to be. And th- I was blessed with this school. I, I had no problems. I had a, a free apartment. You know, I, I didn't know what to eat eating anyway. So I lost <laughs> some weight that I needed to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that's all. And I, I got on a, and I was on that diet. With the, I just ate vegetables. I was good. You know, mm. all the time, I was really, really good. So the school was was fairly new. It, it, it's been around. It's from Texas. Um, and it's been, I think it's like 20 years old. But the school where I was uh, signed, they just opened it up. So they were looking for writers. So it just so happened. I was like, oh, I'm a writer. But I didn't have the unction to do anything just, that's just then. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm a writer, yeah, but... You know, I was having too much fun with the kids and, you know, in the city. And I wrote the book at the end of my term. Ah. (laughs) I wrote the book. Now, I taught adults and children. So we had finished. I actually put everything together with the help of the children. They actually wrote, you know, put some of the writing in 
and I had one of my students write it in, in uh, pinyin for me. Um, so it has both languages, English and, and pinyin, uh, so it's Mandarin, you know, okay. uh, written out. And we put, to, put everything together, and it was, has to do with the, basically the way I was. All the pictures are part of um, the, 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 the uh, province I was in. So I was like, I don't know how to get this book back. I, I completely just, it was complete, everything. So I was like, I don't know how to, to get this book back to Jinan. I call up, um, I think, the professor that I was teaching English to. He said, sure, no problem. He's like, I got it. He said, send me the book. He, oh. he happened to know the mayor. The, my book is now part of the, um, the mayoral library in Janan. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yes, wow. I mean, you know, Miss, holding that thought, Miss Edna, we're going to take a quick commercial <laughs> break and we're going to talk some more about this book when we come right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I am with Miss Edna White. She's the author of the uh, children's book, Friends Learn. And before the last commercial break, we were talking about her trip to China and how the book came to be. And you were saying that your book got into the hands of the mayor. And I think I had to cut you off rudely, and I apologize for that. Okay. Got to pay some okay. bills. Got to pay some bills every now and then. But I know that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with paying a little bill. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so um, I won't pick up though. So your hand, the book got in the hands of the mayor, and and you uh, from there. From there, he actually um, it's part of their library right now, and it's also part of Aston English Schools Library. They actually adopted the book um, because a lot of the pictures had were the children and people in the community. So it was a really nice thing that he had he done from you know he had done for me, and I, I you know I just thank God because I didn't, didn't even think about it. He's like, oh no problem, you know, mm-hmm. no problem, just send it to me, and he, and he did just what he said because he was the psychologist for um, Janan, what they call Normal University. I don't know why mm-hmm. they call it that, but. That's the university. He was working for the university. He did a lot of work in in Beijing with um, American um, uh, professors. So he was kind of in there. You know, my my student was kind of around Americans a lot, and he wanted to just do something because I was, you know, working with him with English. So did you go over there and and you knew how to speak Mandarin already, or oh, no? No, I actually. <laughs> This is so funny because I learned to use chopsticks within a month. I practiced with my grandson, who happened to be four at the time. He actually better than me. And I just, all I did was went online and practiced just the general cheer, you know, the, the greetings. And, that mm-hmm. was it. and they, when I got there, they taught me the rest. You know, I learned how to ask for a ticket. Um, mm-hmm. I learned how to, which way, le- left or right, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the general things, how to get around, you know. Okay, so you you're there, you you sleep, oversleep for the first day, but mm-hmm. you show up in your first class, and you've got a, a a lot of wonderful perky, bright Mandarin eyes looking at you, saying, "Okay, teach me English." How does that go? If how do you work that out? Um, you know what? Um, <laughs> I never <laughs> I never knew my gift until I went there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because. I always, I taught Sunday school, and, you know, sometimes you just think that that's something that, you you know, you, you know already. You know, like, mm-hmm. 
because it's part of church. That's your church life, you know. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know that. That's not a big yes. deal. And I've, I've I've done that for like 15 years. So I was like, ah, oh, that's not no gift, you know. That's mm-hmm. just what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So when I got to class and I, and I I have I had these little small ones at mommy like a mommy and me class. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the students saw me. Now you got to remember, I have I can't have perm because there's no perm there. <laughs> so my hair's short. I have my short hair, and um, the little girl looks at me and she screams. Wow! So they are not used to. I'm brown. They're not used to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I I get nervous. I think, okay, this is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> you know, this is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm backing up into the corner. I'm asking the teacher, say, listen, give me a break. You guys go in there. Let me see what I can do to kind of migrate. Because they didn't introduce me in like a, you know, a seminar. They could get used mm-hmm. to They really were just shocked. So I was like, oh, my God, I got to do something. So I went down to the corner store. And they have like junk all over, you know, like little corner stores. Crazy things, like the little dollar stores. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to paint my face as a, as a, a clown. Mm-hmm. And uh, face paint. I painted my face, put the little red nose on, then I went back in class. A little bit more receptive. They started coming around me, giving me their name, and then all of a sudden they started wiping it off. And now mm. I figured it was like, oh, this is teacher. They they say Laosha. Laosha means uh-huh. in, in, in Mandarin. So they started wiping my face, and that's what I wanted them to do, is kind of get used to me, you know, and they started wiping my face and realizing who I was. So I walked around with half a face for a day so I could know, you know, and I thought that was something ingenious, and it wasn't me. It was literally, I, I count that to the spirit because I would have never thought about that. So that yeah, was I'm going home. <laughs> so that's, you know, and I, you bring up a point. I don't think a lot of people, especially Americans, understand or realize um, certain cultures only know us as black people from what they see on the media. I know firsthand, I think the first time I took my daughter to Hong Kong, we were. She was seven years old, and we're going through customs, and all the customs agents were so, you know, enthused about her hair, and they wanted to touch her hair, and they want to touch her because you know they've never, you know, it's new to them. And I just don't. People, you walk around in your American culture, you say, oh, okay, just another black person. Okay, right, yeah, right. but but it is a sense of wonderment when you go to other cultures. It's like wow, yeah. you know, this, this is really new to us. So uh, yeah. I think it's interesting what you went through. I re- I remember those days fondly. I'm yeah. here. Right. Yeah. So I spent some time in Okinawa, and then, like I said, with my daughter, I kind of try to make yeah. her world travel. So it's interesting to yeah, see the reactions to us. Very, yeah. <laughs> the second class I went into, which I tell everybody, we're playing a, um, an American game called Bring Around the Rosies. They don't know that, so I'm teaching them that. And mm-hmm. we're going around. This kid comes and grabs me, and she licks me. <laughs> so, so I have a, you know, I have a Chinese teacher in there, and I was like, what is she saying? Because I didn't know what she was saying. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't taste like chocolate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's. and I'm like, why is she licking me? Uh huh. Yeah. Mandarin. She doesn't taste like chocolate. <laughs> and I cracked up. I thought it was so cute. But that you see the things that they believe. You know, they, yeah. they don't know. They don't know. They absolutely they don't know. have no idea. Have yeah. no idea. 
no idea, no exposure. Like I said, most of the, the perception they have of us or, you know, is, is through the media. So it's just, you know, and what somebody tells them. So it's just really funny when you have the actual face to face encounters. You walk away with a lot of humorous stories yeah, like, you know, she doesn't taste yeah. like chocolate. Too cute. <laughs> Too cute. Yeah. <laughs> so your, your faith is very evident in all of the books you write and, um, the second book that you've written, um, of what are there? There's six out now. Yes, six. Six out. Okay, the second book you've written is called "The Keys to the Kingdom." Um, mm-hmm. Give me a little rundown about that one. What will people, the reader, take away from that book? Well, that book is intense. Um, mm-hmm. I want to tell you that the reason why that was written is because um, my background is um, I've been church since I was 18, and at that time. I was going through, is this what it is? Is this, isn't it? Uh, you know, I was going back mm-hmm. and forth and figuring out. It wasn't against anybody. It was just that my my spirit was ready to fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, that book was written out of that flying time because now I saw things differently. Okay. I saw things in the third eye as opposed out of another eye, out of my own eyes. I saw it out of the third eye. So I say that because a lot of it hinges. The keys to, the, the keys to life uh, 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 basically hinges on forgiveness, which mm-hmm. I told you that was another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and forgiveness has so many components that I've learned for myself that if you truly, we say that we can forgive and never forget, but God helped me forget a lot of things because those things were stopping me from excelling because I would always go back to it. Okay. Okay. So, so that's why I say forgiveness. I, I really, God, really, I said, I want, I asked him, I said, I really want to know what forgiveness is. I really want to know because I was forgiving back in the day just because that was a Christian thing to do. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what it meant. Mm-hmm. But still, as you, when you saw the person, those same feelings came right up. Right up. Yeah. Right up. So you haven't done any healing at all? No. Yeah, and, forgiveness, and forgiveness takes a toll. What I talk about in the keys, it takes a toll. Forgiveness and love takes a toll on the body. It ultimately will affect your body in many ways. Gotcha. And, you know, I think people really need to understand how all of that ties in together. Your body is such a key element to how uh, emotionally healthy you are, you know, um, and it, it just all it all plays in together. And, you know, you have to get everything in unison. You know, like you said, you're doing the yoga and then, you know, you have to get your mind right. You have to eat. Everything all plays in together, you know, for, uh, a, you know, a healthy lifestyle. It does. It really does. And. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't purposeful. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I, we don't intend to beat ourselves up, right? Yeah, it wasn't, it was no, it purposeful to get right, to get it together. <laughs> I didn't, oh, oh, okay, I see what you're saying, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't purposely trying to change my diet, none of that. Yeah. It was like, I thought I was okay, you know, I was regular size, I wasn't overeating, you know, I could eat what I want. I, mm-hmm. I thought of any, any of that crazy, you know, crazy stuff. It was when I started getting sick. And I was like, what? You know, I, and it's not like me to sleep. I never, I never sleep in the day, never take a nap. 
And I said, mm-hmm. something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me that I'm sleeping like this. Went to the doctors, explained all the, the whole situation, what I was eating and what I was not eating. And she says to me, you're getting what they call a, a wheat belly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the wheat, and she explained to me, and I remember distinctly reading that, but I chucked it to the side. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember reading that book, and I chucked it to the side. I don't want to hear none of this. Because <laughs> that meant that a whole lot had to change. That's right. And she said to me, you, you, you cannot have anything with anything with wheat or flour. I'm sorry. So I said, mm-hmm. do you understand that I'm like a, a black Italian? There you go. Huh? <laughs> give me the lasagna. Give me the macaroni and cheese. I mean, just no. I can't. No, no. Uh-uh, we can't do this. <laughs> I said, uh, do you understand that I might just not live because of this? <laughs> and I'm a New Yorker. I need a. I need a slice of pie. I mean, come I'm on so now. Serious. What? <laughs> and hold on. We're gonna take the last commercial break of the day. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I'm having a lot of fun hanging out with Miss Edna White. She's the author of uh, books such as Friends Learn, Diary of a Backseat Driver, and Room to Grow. Uh, Miss Edna, you call yourself multi-hyphenated. What exactly is that? Multi-hyphenated means I don't know what's going on, but I'm going for, long for the ride. <laughs> Wherever he directs my steps, I'm going, that right? Correct, yes. That I'm mad it. at you. I'm mad at you. Now, I read uh, on your, I think it was one of your blog entries, um, you have a quote, and it says, Being broken can be the darkest place, yet being there, you can be the light that guides the way. Um so you, I think you're kind of indicating that being broken is actually a good thing. How, how is it that being broken actually ends up to be in a person's benefit? Okay. Now, see, this is what I call a, a multi-hyphenated. <laughs> <laughs> Years ago in 2006, I was coming home from church, and, and I know you probably heard, you know, about, um, you know, shut-ins and, and the mm-hmm. service. Yeah. So I was coming home from one of those. One of those. This is before I was, I was, you know, questioning God, you, he wanted me to leave, and I was like, no, 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 you know, I don't know anything else. I was a little scared. Mm-hmm. So I was coming home, driving home from one of those shut-in services, and um, on my way through was a little bit uh, kind of, uh, it was in December, so it was a little foggy, uh, not really um, uh, uh, a, a general time, a weather climate. It was foggy. It was literally mm-hmm. foggy. So I was coming home, driving. I actually hit... One deer that I never didn't see and swerved from the other, hit another car mm. and slammed into a pole. Was mm-hmm. um, actually lodged in, in the car. Um, the engine of my car came and crushed my whole right side. Mm-mm-mm. And I was, and this is this is this was the most awakening time ever in my life. Um, I remember looking over. At, um, I was bleeding. I could feel the blood just gushing from my head, my face. I remember all of it, and I remember each break because I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I I couldn't even scream. I couldn't do anything. I, the last breath I remember is God help me. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking over, and I saw a white man looking in the window, and he says, "You're going to be all right." 
and on that that side, the, the the passenger side where the engine came in, my Bible was on the seat, but the sh- seat had been pushed up, and the <laughs> Bible rose up where my where I always clipped my phone just in case something did happen, mm-hmm. and the man picks the phone up and he didn't know what who to call, and he dials the last number, which is my mother's number. Mm-mm-mm. He was a volunteer fireman, and he was getting ready to move. He was getting, packing his things in the truck, getting ready to move down south. Mm-mm. I happened to have the car accident on the very day. Mm. Mm. Say that being broken can change your very life. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I knew that God was in this thing that was outside and everything outside of me. He was in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally in me. I Both of my lungs collapsed. I had two broken hips. One, um, one was dislodged. I kind of looked like a chicken on on on, on Thanksgiving or <laughs> after somebody tore up the bones, huh? Okay, <laughs> I looked just like. That. <laughs> I want the leg. I want that. Okay. <laughs> right. That's exactly how I looked. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I had lacerations. I was, I was in the hospital forty three days. Forty three days. Get out of here. And I couldn't walk for six. Mm. Okay? They told me that I would. I would walk and, and not, you know, have a limp and I would, this would be my problem, this would be my problem. But I remember in the hospital, I couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't talk because they had me, they gave me 20% to live. Mm. And, and um, I was incubated, didn't even know I was incubated, you know, that's a, I'm a hot mess. You mm-hmm. don't even know you're incubated trying to talk to people, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was a mess. Oh. God gave it to me that he was in the inside, and what a, I had the most amazing conversation with, with God. Mm-hmm. The most amazing conversation that I would, what I was doing in the church was not what he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there spinning my wheels, and I, on that day, the light that, that God wanted me to have, it truly shined. And I tell everybody, that was the best day of my whole life. Mm-hmm. Even though I had to come back, and the scripture just comes to me, unless God builds a house, it's built in vain. That's right. So, so he had to build me up from the bottom. I couldn't walk. I was scooting on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> you were a sight to see. <laughs> I was a hot mess. <laughs> but, but 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 I it, but you know what? In all of it. I was happy as a lock. I could. I, I. I look back now and I said, I don't even believe that that mm-hmm. was me. I was supposed to be miserable and cranky, but I knew that God had opened, just cracked, cracked me to reveal the real me. Because my the real the other other me wasn't me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me. And yeah, I have I have different scars and everything, but I have not one bit of arthritis. Mm-hmm. I I jog all the time. I run all the time. I'm always doing something active. Just like God gave me a new opportunity with life. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, from the railroad tracks to this, you know, you have constantly <laughs> had taps on your shoulder like, baby girl, I need you to do this. Baby girl, I need you to do this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> baby girl, come on. <laughs> come on now. How many more times I got to knock you upside your head, baby girl? <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Too funny. Real quick, uh, before we get, I want to make sure I cover one more of the books. Um, Diary of a Backseat Driver. That's an interesting title. Um, what, what actually is that one about? That's actually about um, all the sermons that I've ever heard. Okay. I, I was the assistant uh, pastor to a church that was affiliated with most of the churches in Long Island. Okay. All the all the churches, all the sermons that I thought was pertinent, mm-hmm. but I gave it a little spin. <laughs> I gave it a little comedic spin. Okay. But, so it all all it has is a, just the basic their part, what they thought, and now I'm telling you what I feel. What you took away from it? Okay. Right away from it. So that's that's basically it. It's because I was the, you know I couldn't ever because in you know being a woman in certain organizations you are always going to be in the back seat. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that gets the real crux of the real matter because okay. I'm in the back seat and I hear what's going on at all times. Gotcha. <laughs> you, hear, you hear all the conversation in the back seat. <laughs> It's exactly. like the ping pong table, like, yeah, okay, she said, oh, wow, he said, just back and what? forth, like, wow, okay. What? <laughs> uh, are you um, are you still active in the church now, or you, your ministry is kind of like outside doing other things? I, out, it's in the field. It's basically okay. in the field. I've actually taken it to another, um, to a better level where I'm personable and I'm practical with the people that I minister to. I don't even on the, the God level unless they bring it up, gotcha. but I'm more or less ministering to them and their situation. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I basically deal with a lot of women who are um, going through PTSD after the sexual uh, trauma, and I, I, I minister to them because they're, it's a black hole. They're in a black hole. They're in a, um, they don't know what to do with themselves because their emotions are all over the place because they, they don't know how to calm them down. Mm-hmm. where they need to go. So I'm basically ministering to them on their level where they are and building up them up from that point. Gotcha, gotcha. And I mean, that's so important because I don't think people understand that hurt people hurt people. So unless, you know, these women um, have repaired or dealt with what they've gone through, they're going to continue in some sort of ways. It's going to come out and manifests itself in in areas of their life like you you were at a point your lowest point you were willing to take the life not only of yourself but your child right. so unless unless we we heal and we get whole in some sort of way you know we're, we're putting ourselves in in the position of danger the loved ones around us um real quickly before we go where do people pick up a copy of your books they can find them on amazon and i am going to be currently going to be in about march or may march no march I'll be in Barnes and Noble, which I will be going on a road trip uh, in ten cities um, with Barnes and Noble book signing. You go, Miss Edna. You go, (laughs) Miss Edna. You do your thing. You do your thing. Well, that is all for this week's show. My guest today has been Miss Miss Edna White. Uh, Please visit her website, MissEdna.cf. Is that right, Edna? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. MissEdna.cf. Okay, I think maybe I'm losing her. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Continue thank to you six. for having me. You're terrific. You're really oh, oh, no, that's all you, girl. All you. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>